It's Tuesday, December 1st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today from Stock Advisor Canada, Taylor Muckerman, and from Million Dollar Portfolio, Jason Moser. Happy December 1st, gentlemen. December 1st. Uh, today's what? Cyber Giving Tuesday. Tuesday. Giving Tuesday. Right. No, Giving Tuesday. And tomorrow is going to be Hump Day Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it really? You know what? We should probably make Wednesday. We should make something tomorrow, like tomorrow, Chipotle Wednesday. I was going to say barbecue Wednesday. Barbecue Wednesday, <laughs> like that. I mean, food, a lot of so that's, a lot of good barbecue around That's here. not a surprise to longtime listeners. <laughs> we are going to dip into the full mailbag, but we're going to start with whiskey Wednesday. All whiskey <laughs> Wednesday. I like that. Whiskey Wednesday. Yeah, that just got. Yeah, that, that I think that beats both Chipotle Wednesday and barbecue. Alliteration. Wednesday. Uh, let's start with the shopping. Uh, Black Friday shopping, Cyber Monday shopping, and it was it was definitely on the rise, but certainly more so online than in the bricks and mortar locations. Uh, online shopping on Friday up fourteen percent, on Monday up twelve percent, hitting just shy of three billion dollars on Monday, and. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sort of tempted to say, boy, this looks pretty good. Yeah. That just sort of across the board, when you look not just at at Amazon, but also Walmart and Target seem to have good traffic to their sites. And I don't want to get overly optimistic, but it seems like the holiday shopping season is off to a pretty strong start in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, I think decent. I think. Uh you know, there's nothing out of there that's terribly surprising as far as like, you know, where the dollars are actually going. I mean, it looks like brick and mortar is uh, sort of fading away a little bit. Online is obviously picking up the slack there. Kind of makes me think a little bit about sort of Netflix's DVD business versus their online streaming, right? I think I think it's just you're trading kind of one for the other. So, you know, I I I said and I stand by this. I think we hit. Peak Black Friday, probably a couple of years ago, and I think to this point now, it is a just a sort of a silly novelty that's that's being rendered more or less obsolete thanks to the internet. Now, that's not to say that, you know, when I say that, I don't mean like retail's gone and, and retail suffers. It's just it's it's going other places, and, uh, and and further, I think that now we as consumers are far more conditioned now than ever before to know that there is no sense of urgency. Uh, when it comes to this time of year, I mean, I I don't have, and I think most people don't have the same sense of urgency that they maybe felt three, four, even five years ago when they really felt like there was a much smaller window for those deals. Because ultimately, now those deals are extending on further, and and you know that if you hold off and wait till a week before. Uh, Christmas, for example, you're still going to be able to get deals, if not better ones. Well, and I don't know about you guys, but the some of the email I was getting yesterday from different from national retailers and from local ones in here in the DC area were obviously pushing Cyber Monday, mm-hmm. but a bunch of them were saying our Cyber Monday lasts for four days. It's going to last <laughs> it till, lasts till Christmas. And so I think I think retailers are catching on to that and saying, look, if we if we can figure out ways to extend deals, then that way we're not locked into a one 24-hour period. Yeah, and I think that's why Thursday through Monday, online sales were up double-digit percentage points all all days. Um, and you talk about the the urgency to get these sales. Uh, Monday, I saw Adobe said that it was two times the normal rate of out-of-stocks 
for products sold online uh, for Cyber Monday because people were getting to those deals Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and not necessarily having to wait. And, and you hit it around the head. My junk email box <laughs> was so full, like three pages worth of Cyber Cyber Weekend sales that I don't think I remember seeing that last year. And uh, I, I think that maybe Cyber Monday has hit peak because you can get these deals days in advance and pro- likely weeks beyond as well. I agree with what you said, Jason, on Black Friday sort of hitting the peak a couple of years ago. But I did see a great analogy. Uh, I read a great analogy, which was one analyst comparing Black Friday shopping in stores, going out to the malls and that sort of thing, to sports fans who are going to bundle up and go to a football game or a soccer game in the snow, you know, that kind of thing, yeah. where it's just like, sure. you know what, for, for if you're a Chicago Bears fan, you're a Green Bay Packer fan, that's that's an event that's meaningful to you. Whereas someone like me, I'm more comfortable just sitting on myself and watching <laughs> yeah. that game in the snow. But there, are, I, I think there are always going to be those people who are interested in going out and, and having that experience. But I do think it's diminished. And well, yeah, I, yeah, I think you're spot on. I mean, I think it, it, I'm, I, I certainly am not belittling the the event, so to speak. I mean, I think everybody values things differently, and and so I mean, you know, Black Friday, for example, it's it's beyond just you know the monetary savings. You're right. It's 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 about an experience, and I think that. There are always going to be people who enjoy sort of that experience because it's it's not just about going to get the deal, right? It's about the holiday season beginning. It's about a nice time of year where people want to feel happy and sort of look forward to a new year that's getting ready to hit. And so, yeah, I think there is always going to be that experience dynamic to it that some people will enjoy. I also think that as time goes on, as uh, these younger generations kind of kind of come more into play and become more of the backbone of the economy and, and, and the primary spenders that we'll see probably I think I think less emphasis on that experience as well. And I think from a company standpoint, it kind of gives them an added benefit of inventory management because if you run out of stock in a store, that's one thing. Like you're missing sales there, but if you run out of stock on, on online. You've tapped all your resources. You're not you're not necessarily missing as many opportunities there online as you would be in store, and and you can kind of you're spreading your inventory across the entire country or world. You don't need it just in time. You can then mail it out a few days later. So I think the added benefit of, of inventory management through these online sales is is uh, a talking point for a lot of these brick and mortar retailers that have online presences now. And all of that, I think, kind of then sort of segues into the conversation regarding. You know, e-commerce because I think you know I think there's less and less weight on Cyber Monday because I mean, isn't every day really? Cyber yeah, if you Monday? pay full price for something these I, days, I'm surprised. Like, yeah, most like yeah, they're always. I think the, the the retailers that are winning in the e-commerce space are the ones that are recognizing that consumers care. You know, not only about low prices, but there are brand loyalties out there. Mm-hmm. They care about free shipping. I think free yep. shipping is a real key lever that a lot of uh, a lot of the of the winners are really pulling now. But but then just looking past that to having a website that actually works, right? I mean, I, I read a, a number of stories out there of, of you know companies where websites actually failed, and not just on desktop either, since mobile payments yeah. are growing like wildfire. And and I mean, mobile because it's a it's a more nascent technology. It's it's a little bit different, and I don't think that you know we don't we don't see some of the bigger players in the space necessarily with the same type of mobile presence as as your more nimble sort of uh, you know newer companies. But then even further, you know, if, when we talk about e-commerce, then it's a matter of getting those goods from from the the uh, platform to the consumer, right? And so I mean, like with Amazon, for example, you saw in 2013 where they were having issues with 
some people getting their stuff in time, and we talked about this. There were some FedEx and some UPS delays, and now I mean, you fast forward to 2015, and now there's this talk about this sort of secret Amazon project, Aerosmith. Which <laughs> have you have you read about this at it's all? Pretty no. Is it any connection to the rock group? Aerosmith? <laughs> it is not. If this only. is actually for us. I think a little using bit their old their old tour planes. This is this is an Aerosmith that we can look forward to, right? The Aerosmith <laughs> for the next generation. Some of us look forward to Aerosmith, the rock band. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not taking anything away from. Them. I grew up with those guys. So it's some very fond memories whenever I hear their music. But I mean, it, this is this is about Amazon, uh, you know, trying their hand out at actual shipping and building out that shipping infrastructure. And so they've taken over. At least it's it's supposed. At least there hasn't been any confirmation. But really, the you read between the lines, and this this is plainly Amazon. Um, leasing out like an old Air Force base, uh, leasing out some planes. I think they're flying out four flights per day to some strategic locations around the country to help in getting those goods from point A to point B in a quicker fashion. And so, uh, you know, when when we think forward in you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty years, and, and how e-commerce and and how getting that stuff all over the country is going to work out, you see companies like Amazon that are really sort of uh, you know making inroads there and kind of building out their own infrastructure to compete with the likes of things like FedEx and UPS uh, in order to be able to to be as customer centric as possible. And, and I think that's a key there. And that YouTube video of their drone slash airplane delivery yeah. system is pretty slick. You know what I like the I've most had, about that? I've to see video. a drone did, like that. Did you get to see that? I haven't watched it yet. So no. the guy that did it, I guess, is like the the British the host British, uh, yeah. for uh, Car Talk or whatever okay. that whatever that Top auto shows. Top Gear, maybe. Yeah, that's what it is. But my favorite, <laughs> my favorite, <laughs> my favorite part of the video is when he's talking about like they're using this example of getting this girl her soccer shoes, and so they're Pumas. Yeah. But the way he says Puma, he says. Puma. Puma. <laughs> and it's just like Principal Skinner on that episode of The Simpsons. And those of you out there, you know who you are. You've seen that episode where Skinner's looking at the school's mascot, the beloved Puma. <laughs> Marketfoolery at fool.com is our email address from Jerry Villani or Villani in Cleveland, Ohio. Jerry writes I'm considering investing in larger oil companies and was looking at ExxonMobil, a U.S. company. And Total, is it Total or Total? Total, yeah. Total, a French company. I noticed Total's dividend was 2% higher than ExxonMobil's. I live in the United States and was wondering if there are any tax, currency, or other considerations I need to know in owning a foreign company that might make that 2% difference in yield less interesting. Uh, Taylor, for those unfamiliar, Total, a pretty sizable company, market cap around 110 billion. It's yeah. not as big as ExxonMobil, but it is definitely a big player. And you look at the stock; the stock's done pretty well, certainly relative to ExxonMobil. So, mm-hmm. when you factor in the dividend as well, it's it's a compelling play in that space. Yeah, I think so. It's integrated just like Exxon, and it's it's kind of rare, I think, to say something's three times larger than a hundred billion dollar company. <laughs> but that's what Exxon is. So, Total, a little bit more flexibility there. Um, in terms of the tax issues, Total trades as an ADR, an American Depository Receipt. So um, you're not going to pay any added taxes on owning owning that. Um, but I think they're kind of both in the same boat here in terms of they've both finished a lot of their projects right as this oil downturn was taking place. So their CapEx is is fairly light compared to some integrated peers. So these are both two companies that I think if you're if you want to buy an integrated oil producer, um, they're great starting points strictly because 
they're very capital light relative to peers over the next year or so, um, and they, and they've got that production coming on rather than paying to continue to bring it on. Uh, so I think that when you look at that in a market downturn, I think that's an added advantage for both of these companies. So you're not going to lose your dividend yield advantage with Total due to tax implications because it's uh, a French company. Thankfully, because it's traded as an ADR. Question from Matt Riley. On last week's radio show, you discussed how 3D printing stocks have really struggled the past year and will likely continue to struggle in 2016. I'm an owner of Stratasys. Do you think there is any long-term benefit to holding this stock, or is it time to jump ship? Obviously, we can't give personalized advice for Matt, but when you look at Stratasys, what do you see? Yeah, that's uh, first of all, Matt. Thanks for listening. Wow, yeah. that's. Uh, I, I think I was. I know I jumped in there and said a few things in regard to the three D printers. I think they were my uh, all three my runner runners up uh, as far as turkeys. Turkey stocks. Yeah, but um, I, you know, so this is this is a tricky one because you know I, you look at um, you look at the year to date and Stratasys and three D systems and X one the sort of that family of three D printers that. Um, that we had we've been following in our foolish universe, and they they've done um, just horribly. I mean, absolutely horribly. They've lost investors a lot of money um, throughout the year, and and I you know I don't know that that necessarily is slated to change. Now I, I'll say this in regard to selling, and I've written about this before because I get the question a lot. How do you know when you need to sell? And I mean, there there are four quick. Reasons that I can think of, and there are more, I'm sure. These are just four one four that sort of come to mind. Is number one when the thesis is broken. Um, number two when you feel like there's a better money, a better opportunity for your money elsewhere. Number three you need the money, and number four you feel like you're overweight and in, in, in any given hole, and it's making you lose sleep at night. Now, I mean, with the 3D printers, I think at least. At least in the near term, I think it's fair to say that probably the the reason why most people invested in these companies that thesis is broken because I think there was the feeling that there were going to be some grander consumer implications than what really are coming coming to pass. And you know, Jeff Bezos I think made a very good point with this, where you know, on the one hand, you look at these three D printers and the technology, what they do is really cool, but it's not something that's very practical for consumers if you're making something that has a lot of components to it. And so he used a toaster as an example that seemingly pretty simple sort of item that you'd buy in the store, but there are a lot of elements to it. And so to 3D print something like that is not very cost effective. Uh, you know, manufacturing for the most part to where we are at this given time with, with the way technology is, is advanced is very efficient. Um, and we have a lot of companies out there that are very good at doing it. And so you see the 3D printers sort of being a little bit more relevant to those manufacturers, big tech companies that are trying to keep their proprietary technology proprietary and secret. Um, and that's good. They pass that along to consumers in that in that regard. But I don't know that there necessarily is the same upside for consumers that that maybe was once thought. Now, you know, the flip side of that coin is like if you sell now, well, then you're selling at the bottom. More than likely, um, there's a chance, a good chance that you could probably recover some money here. So, you know, I, I wrote about this as well in that I've I've gone through my portfolio on occasion and I identify mistakes that I've made and, and why I made them so that I don't make them again. And sometimes what I like doing is actually just holding on to those shares because number one, I don't really need the money. Selling the stock isn't going to really make that big of a difference either way. And whenever I look at the ticker, it reminds me of that lesson. If you're in a position where you can do that, you know, and kind of just wait, that maybe not, you know, it may may not be such a bad way to go. 
you know, by the same token, you could sell for a loss, and that could help your tax situation if your tax situation demands it. It's coming to the end of the year. Everybody's different, but um, I mean, when I look further out, I don't, I don't know that there's that same maybe thesis that was once uh, proposed. You mentioned a possible bottom there. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think they completely written down the maker bot segment of their business, which is the yeah. consumer facing business. So there's seemingly all upside left from that perspective. It would seem, yeah. And I mean, 3D Systems is another example there. That we we were very critical of leadership there. Well, that that CEO has since uh, quit, and so maybe a new leader there can kind of take that business in a different direction. Um, again, yeah, I, I think there are reasons to think that there could be some some better days ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, it just everybody's situation is a little bit different. Um, with that in mind, yeah, I don't know that I'd be counting on anything. I don't see any real near-term catalyst that sends this thing, uh, you know, up to the moon anytime soon. And two housekeeping notes before we wrap up: uh, We mentioned Giving Tuesday, and I want to mention that the Motley Fool is kicking off our annual philanthropy holiday drive today. And this year, uh, the organization that we're giving to is the Fistula Foundation. It is focused on providing surgical care to women suffering from obstetric fistula. This is a reversible medical condition that can occur during childbirth. Um, And around a million women in developing countries deal with this condition every year, but as few as 20,000 actually receive treatment. So, we're looking to see what we can do to help change that, and you can help too. If you want to learn more, you can go to uh, find out more about our holiday drive. Go to give.fool.com. That's give dot fool dot com. Uh, other thing, and I mentioned this last week, we are now officially looking for summer interns for the summer of 2016. Aha! Investing interns, uh, editorial, uh, international software development. We've got a bunch of internships that we're looking to fill. So, if you're a college student. Or you know a college student who might be interested, go to careers.fool.com. That's our website, careers.fool.com. We've got all the internships listed there, the whole application process. Uh, please please share this with anyone who you think might be interested. Um, we're also hiring, too, uh, for you know non-intern positions yep. here in Alexandria, also in Germany, Australia, Japan, the UK, careers.fool.com. We had, we had such a great group this past summer. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, full-time and internship folks alike seem to be equally as happy. Yes, but in terms of the interns, oh, and, yeah, and right. we've and we've had a nice streak of a few mm-hmm. years, a few summers in a row of just like really strong interns. But it really does seem like this last group was just across the board. Everyone was raving about them. Yeah. So. Well, we just hired a rock star analyst, Abby Malin, from that group. Yeah. She's and, she's terrific. And, and uh, Gabby Lapero was one of the uh, editorial interns, yeah. and now she's uh, she's up in the group and and one of the hosts of Industry Focus. So, but let's not let's not. I, I don't think Gabby listens to this, and I don't think Abby <laughs> does either. So we don't want them to get you know inflated egos or anything like that. I sit right by. But they Abby. were great. I'll, I'll That's just right. Turn around <laughs> they were great interns. Got a shout out. <laughs> uh, thanks for being here, guys. <laughs> Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.